0: Blog TALK RADIO Hey, listen! Get
1: nerdy with
2: me Tell me what game that you get on Is it
3: cardery? What kind of class do you play, girl? In an RPG, cause I know what them elf girls need, from Wild to Emmy, I'm going through the hours going straight now, you make it hard to
2: leave, it to been to look Do you speak my language, your elf ears don't need explaining, all I really need for you to do is just please, talk nerdy to me, one,
0: two, one.
2: talk nerdy to me.
3: It's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio.
0: The next half of the interview
4: is going to be brought to you by Amazon.com. Uh, once you're done with listening to the show, if you want to get yourself any of the other books that you've been uh, hearing about in the past few weeks, just go to the sidebar uh, located at dungeoncollegeradio.com, Clear out your cookies, enter in your search term, and shop as normal. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and uh, even kicks a little bit of money back to us. So it's not entirely a selfless gesture. That's Amazon.com. We're on.
0: Yep. Oh wow! On.
4: <laughs> this is weird not having my headphones on. So uh, this is all all new, all new feelings for this. It's an
0: interesting mm-hmm. night. It's,
4: it's going to be. I think so. So uh, welcome, one and all. This is another episode of Dungeon Crawlers yeah, Radio. It's a live, right Colin, show, um, the, the covering like you know the world of geeks. That's what we do. It's our thing. This is Kinda a guy awesome. named Joe. This is Colin. I'm Little Ben. We'll do here too. Hiding, rocking his SLC car. nerd shirt like a boss. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's also jiggling now. So take that for what you will. It's gonna be a long night, folks.
1: SLC, <laughs> can get a little awkward sometimes.
4: <laughs> yeah, we got this. We we're heroes here.
0: Yeah, that's what we do. Totally. totally.
4: So Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday night after we did that thing.
0: Yes. We all got thing. together
4: afterwards, like uh, Colin and my peer group. Mm-hmm. And I made them watch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, okay. at which point I proceeded to quote every single line in the movie and sing along to every verse.
0: <laughs> I don't think I'm
4: invited back. Never? Never. No. never. Oh, also, you guys weren't there. Did you see my Facebook post? About... His Halloween uh, costume? No, yeah. No, yeah. No, so we decided no. that we're pretty sure Colin looked like Augustus Gloop as a child. I don't see the resemblance <laughs> at all. And Zero resemblance. I don't know. I say we shove you in a tube and we'll, well, that'll be like... Do yes. a side-by-side. Can we do that? Oh, no, not even that. We can just put you in a tube and fill it with like, weird chocolatey substances and you can wire that around for Halloween. Can I eat it? That's, that eat
0: the we can you get, get to
4: it, it, yes. All right. So Eventually, I'm going to be honest At the end of the night, you'll be able to eat it. Oh, by the way, hello. This is Flegoon.
0: Hey, Hi, Puckoon. Puckoon. I was
4: I was on the phone with Revan who is unfortunately not with us this evening. Who is not with us this evening. Something so I'm gonna point something out. Colin. Being on drugs, so. asking Some, to something, something about pain and and crack fat and broken yeah. bag Yeah, it was just doesn't work out. It, it, he was kind of vague. <laughs> and he said it, it kind of sounded like he was in a prison on the other side of the world. But yeah. I'm sure but, I'm sure he will be back next week, Lady Revan. She caught, she caught. him.
0: <laughs> Red-handed, lady. So, Colin,
4: I was thinking here. Asking us if you can eat the chocolate in the Augusta Gloop tube yep. for Halloween doesn't help your case. Dang it. <laughs> like, <That's> true. <laughs> yeah, this only inspires. Us I can't to do it help more. it. I like chocolate. Okay. Although I'm pretty sure that's not that wasn't real chocolate in the uh, in Willy Wonka. It was mud.
1: <laughs> I don't Dirty want to eat that. Not of that.
4: Giving real us that look stuff. doesn't help. Yeah. Real stuff. Yeah, we're we're going real or <laughs> not at all. a <laughs> reality. We are a geek <laughs> sci-fi fantasy show based on reality. Oh, yeah, this mean, so, is serious someday, and, Yeah, we heat up like a whole bunch of the chocolate. We'll just pour it right yeah, in there. Like, it'll be it'll be warm. Nuts. It'll be like a hot tub. Or like something just like Costco sell. Yeah, nice Augustus little, Gloop, nice little time. size of a uh, yeah. You can chocolate. buy like the two big uh, barrels of, uh, of chocolate liquor. sauce. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna dip you in chocolate sauce. Uh, hey, ladies. ladies. Now, now, uh, dirty man. So, Colin, go ahead and do, you your, do your headphones with me? so that way we can discuss this part here. So, hey, so, ladies.
0: Uh,
4: oh, no. <laughs> we're going to make a last-second last switch. Yeah. And we're going to replace all the chocolate with chocolate shell. No. <laughs> and then we're going to refrigerate them. Yeah. <laughs> and <then laughs> hard hard Wait, is it the magic magic chocolate shell? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Like a turtle.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
4: It's That's really good. No, it's not. Because yeah, we live it'll in Utah. Like episode, it'll be like a, one of the Saw movies where you have to eat your way out of the chocolate or you'll be drowned in it. <laughs> we're putting this on YouTube or TV. Oh, I'm going to submit it to everything I can find. <laughs> Everywhere. It's going to go viral. I'm going to make a movie yeah. just so I can do this. We're going to go viral, folks. <laughs> it's going to be on our Instagram. And yeah, they they one thing, the one thing that goes viral or the one thing that starts trending. Because <laughs> we're going to have a discussion on the, the air what? about that.
0: No, we're not. Um,
4: <laughs> The only thing that we ever post that trends is Colin eating his way out of hardened chocolate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like I just
4: have this vision of it not working out. <laughs> halfway through he asks for a glass of milk. At least I'm trendy. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, I yeah. like milk. I could drink milk for days. It doesn't help you. that's not helping your cause. Again, yeah, let yeah, it happen. Yeah, let, let it
0: do its thing.
4: <laughs> he finds out halfway through he's like lactose intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> You He's covered yeah, in chocolate, no, and all he cool. has to eat is milk. Yeah, there's only two ways this is going to go. Either your cat, either you're going to uh, uh, contract diabetes, or you're going to find out you're lactose intolerant. Either way, win oh, for us. See, I really. see well, this Diabetes way. does run in the family. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's only two ways this is going to go.
0: There's, huh? like,
4: there's only two ways this is going to go. Either really, really funny for us. Or even funnier for us. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. right off the website, or...? Yeah, I'm
1: clicking
4: on the website. Oh, was the show ever updated? Uh, so, folks. <laughs> uh, I'm, pretty sure. I'm eating Arby's right now, because I was in a rush today. And here I am without my little... Uh, with my derby hat. I'm sorry, hang on here. let will just... There you go. It, it's not the same thing, but there you go. I'm thinking Arby's. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
4: so we also... Have you guys seen 22 Jump Street yet? No, I have not. You need to. I understand that it is quite excellent. It's basically a, almost, an almost perfect sequel. Almost perfect sequels. Almost what, perfect what what, the, what what was so good about the first one, well, and then what made the second one... The first one was so self-aware. Yeah. Like, you you know, and they all knew. The opening scene, you know, where everyone's like, well, they take old stuff from the 80s and recycle it and mm-hmm. think it's going to work. Same exact plot. They they go right into that. Like, okay. they're like... like they took it, and they just threw more money at it for the second time around. And they just completely <laughs> honest about it. They come back in, and the Koreans bought the church back from them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they switch over to the, the Vietnamese church, mm-hmm. and he's like, Vietnamese Jesus, don't give a care. And he's, he's like, that's not Korean, that's Vietnamese. And Ice Cube is being Ice Cube and awesome. Because <laughs> his Ice Cube. Yeah, give Ice Cube a badge, and nothing can go wrong. <laughs> as healthy as that sounds. Yeah, right. <laughs> Cuba, Looks like uh, cube not hazardous to your health at yeah. all yeah exactly <laughs> well, they also they just uh, they just cast his son mm-hmm. in the nwa movie straight out of compton For... he's, he's playing young ice cube really yeah I, you know i don't think the uh i don't i i, I don't think the um the, the resemblance is, is quite it enough. is it really is I was looking at it and he has the same facial structure. Okay. And for those of you who can't see me, I'm actually like motioning with my hands to my face because <laughs> again, I'm a boss. Yeah. Um, but he actually looks the same. It's quite impressive. It's mm-hmm. um, but the other one, like Easy E's son, yeah, auditioned for it and didn't get the role. So who? Do, and so I think who was, I, I was playing Easy E then. I, I don't know, Young Easy. I'm. It's confusing. You never know. I am a, I am slightly baffled by this. I mean, like I'm I'm I'm, I'm down with the idea of making an NWA movie because that's the kind of a story that should be straight called. out of Compton. Straight <laughs> because well, yeah, that's them to a T. But I'm like I'm I'm sort of baffled as to why certain people Let's would see. get would be uh, selected for roles
0: for I, that
4: I, one. I say at this point I think it's about the look. So I'm on the it was New York Daily News. Mm-hmm. Uh, who we got here? We got. Uh, let me roll down here. Uh, picture gives Dr. Dre, or right, Corey Hawkins okay, that's just as Dr. Dre. Oh, can't do that. Jason Mitchell as okay. the late EZE, and O'Shea Jackson Jr. as Ice Cube. Okay. And that's supposed to be... Uh... And then, okay, so then O'Shea Jackson is... Is, so is, so is his Ice Cube's Cube son. Sun. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm kind of excited. Yeah, I'm mean, honestly I don't I never listened to it growing up, but yeah. I'm a huge fan of movies. You guys know that. If I can reason to act gangster for a little bit, I'm going. <laughs> you a fan of movies? I'm gonna roll never. out with my windows down, music up. I'm gonna you know. You're all gonna go outside and backseat. Right. Windows down, backseat. Was it backseat up, windows down? something like that was it ludicrous song go? Whatever, it's something like that. I don't know. Something really highly sexual. So
0: <laughs> I'll look it up later <laughs> yeah. and I'll
4: uh, uh, I'll quote it throughout the
0: next
4: couple of interviews. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just drop a line, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go through it.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you could,
4: you could find all the lines online somewhere. Yeah, and they got you know, It's not awkward, a white kid from Atlanta, you know, <laughs> dropping NWA okay, lyrics. You know what? You're, okay, so, I mean, you're from Atlanta, so you can say you're at least from the ATL. No. Which is close enough. I refuse to, not- to. No. I refuse to talk in letters. No. I got out of the military. I don't have to use acronyms anymore. <laughs> But that but that's what they refer to it as in the gangster no, the world the Hotlanta? yeah the, the dirty you know, dirty you no know, Hotlanta is just verboten. dirty dirty yeah, yeah. no uh uh-uh. hot lanta that that was
2: 98 so
4: we got our our calling in right now we got me Guy named Joseph I like it. <laughs> and then, um, is your and then, uh, mic on at all? Or? Okay. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, there. I like is your that, headphones. Is that, that cord
5: back. again? No. All right. So are we starting the uh, interview?
4: No, because his call disappeared. Ah. If you're listening, probably because you didn't back answer back. it.
0: Here we
4: go. He's back in? All right. I'm going to join my Arby's while we have this first interview tonight. We have a second interview as well. Who's, who are we interviewing right now, Colin? Who's as, up first? Uh, Ellie Modisett, Jr.? Excellent. Let's give a little I bit of low down here. That. Yeah. Hello? Right. Oh, you are Hello, Mr., here. Uh, is this Ellie Modisett? Yes, it is. Excellent, excellent. Good to hear from you again. Thank you for coming in with us tonight.
6: Glad to be here.
4: So uh, we apologize that not everyone is going to be able to... Um, not, not necessarily going to be able to chime in as uh, often as they would like. We're sort of running into a technical difficulty. So you'll be dealing with me mono a mono for the most
6: part. Okay.
4: Okay. So uh, we want to talk about your uh, your new book, Sierra. I mean, let me make sure I'm pronouncing this right because I've been kind of debating this all week long. Is it Sierra's Heirs? Sierra's Heirs. Sierra's Heirs. See, okay, I was sort of close on that one. Uh yeah, I got a lot of those uh, uh, uh fictitious fantasy letterings and words.
6: I try to stay pretty close to standard pronunciation. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. <laughs> See,
6: I am always at I least what I at least
4: mm-hmm.
6: at least what I think are standard pronunciations, which may not always be standard.
4: No. <laughs> no. So, um so, I mean, uh, for the listeners who haven't heard about um, Sire's heirs, uh, can you tell? Uh, can you give the listeners a quick primer on that one?
6: <laughs> I can give them a primer. It may not be necessarily quick. Okay. It's the seven. It's the seventeenth book in the saga of Recluse. And Ooh. before anybody groans too much, I have to point out that it is not the endless series that it sounds like because there are no more than two books about any one set of characters, out of all 17 of them. The stories are set in the world of recluse, and they stretch across 2,000 years on five continents, 15 or 16 different countries. And the latest one, in essence, follows the broken-down heirs of of the imperial family that fled a great empire... Mm-hmm. Trying to rebuild their fortunes.
4: Okay, and then so the, and this revolves all around, all around the, the heirs.
6: That's it. Revolves around the heirs. That's
0: okay.
6: Had, entitled heirs.
0: <laughs> they are the okay.
6: heirs. They are the heirs of a once great empire.
4: Okay. So then. Um, like, so then what? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to ask. And uh, how? I mean, how did you come up with so many uh, with with all the characters for all the heirs? And then how did you decide that all of these um, how all of them were going to become interesting to make a book for?
6: Well, there aren't that many heirs. In essence, there are only two of them in this particular book. So I restricted it a little bit. Oh. Okay. Um, and um, basically, it's a story about the younger about the younger of the two heirs. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't look like he's got a whole lot of a f- lot future because basically his father's created a very small dukedom in another land. And uh, when you're a small kingdom and you're the junior son and your older brother is, at least at the beginning, far better with weapons than you are mm-hmm. and far better with magic than you are, you've got a problem
4: okay so then um so then the, revolving around the the younger of the two heirs and uh, I, how how then is um i guess being a superior uh, superior warrior um, how does that equate then is it is it just a matter of i guess
6: um social standing well, it's, it's, no it's skill with arms basically because their father in essence has to be effectively an arms commander because his 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 kingdom is so small. The older brother, basically, because he is a couple of years older, has got the jump on the younger brother in terms of, sh- shall we say, that arms ability. Plus, since he's the older, he's going to he's going to inherit. Um, the younger brother, obviously, doesn't like this particular situation. is trying to figure out what to do about it uh, when the book opens.
0: Mm-hmm. And.
6: Uh, because it's a small kingdom, it's beleaguered on all sides. And uh, in essence, it was created through a uh, the ruler's mother basically used all of her crown jewels to buy the land. The duke that sold her the land is now regretting the bargain mightily. And uh, the kingdom's on the other edges of this dukedom, our, our duchy, are just itching to, in essence, take over because these heirs have a certain amount of talent and ability and have turned, in a lot of ways similar, I suppose, to what you could say happened with Israel. They have turned a fairly barren wasteland into productive land and land that nobody once wanted. Now everybody wants back.
4: <laughs> okay. So then, did you draw? Um, since you bring up the
6: Jerusalem situation, then did, I mean,
4: did you draw uh, for inspiration? Then did you draw from like real life events, real news stories for that?
6: No, no. I mean, this is this is a magic, call it late medieval, early Renaissance level technology. Mm-hmm. I just use that as a general, shall we say, a general pattern in the sense of advanced technology being able to reclaim poor land, or I should say advanced magic, being able to reclaim poor lands. Mm-hmm. But that's about the only similarity. Okay. So then, um, so then,
4: uh, th- so this, the, the, the land that is, has now become fertile was once barren. Then um, a, why, then how did you come up with the decision to sort of decide that this land is now good?
6: Well, that just simply follows the fact that the rulers of the land that fell were Mm -hmm. not incompetent. They uh, ran into what might be called superior magic technology, and when they were forced out of that particular situation, they still have talents left. Mm -hmm. And, of course, this this is about... There obviously, because human beings tend to be ambitious, want to use those talents yeah. to improve their situation.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: And they've been fairly successful at it. So successful that everybody around them is getting jealous and uh, wanting to, in essence, take over what they've created. Because they're still a fairly small land compared to the yeah. others.
4: And so I guess that from a geopolitical standpoint, that seemed like a pretty... You know, a pretty safe bet then to to go after this one, you know, the the land that was, it's I guess, at a weakened state.
6: Well, no, it was just basically not fertile, um, mm-hmm. and it takes a certain amount of capability to change that. Well, these people have that capability. Yeah. Uh, however, <laughs> that doesn't mean that they necessarily have superior force of arms. Mm-hmm. And. Therein lies the problem that they face, because yes, they've had, done a nice job at reclaiming things, yeah. but their population is very small compared to those around them, and uh, this means that if it comes to all-out war, they're going to be definitely at a great disadvantage.
3: Oh, so okay,
4: so you're not even uh, you're not even alluding, or I guess I shouldn't say alluding, um, but. You're not even bringing up like a full-fledged war in this because, like you said, it was all. This is just about how uh, how the heirs, especially the younger one, deals with it.
6: Oh no, we get into full-fledged war later later on. Oh really? I'm not give you deta- details, but that's Aww. the situation. That's the situation that they face and why it's going to end up as a full-fledged war.
4: hmm Okay. So then I, I guess on that same subject then, I, I, how, um, how do you plan on, um, not, not necessarily in the context of, of the story, um, but I mean, how, how do you plan for writing large-scale war? I'm really curious about this.
6: <laughs> I suppose it all comes out of my own background. Mm-hmm. I was a Navy pilot, um, and I spent 20 years in national politics in Washington, D.C., Having to deal with those considerations that go behind it Mm -hmm. for a number of years, I just basically drawn my own experience.
4: And so, I mean, so during your time then, during um, both in Washington D.C. and as a pilot, then I mean, was was there some pretty um, not necessarily to make you recall? But I mean, but there was some hefty experience to draw from. Was there plenty uh, I, I, I don't know what the proper terminology would be is it say plenty of action?
6: <laughs> My career wasn't probably typical in that sense. Um, mm-hmm. I was a search and rescue pilot rather than a uh, fighter pilot if you will. Oh, okay. Uh, um, but you do still get a great feeling for the way the military operates, the considerations behind that. Mm -hmm. And especially, and I tend to write from the point of view of a junior officer because that's exactly what I was. And you look up there and you think, why in the hell did they ever decide to do it that way when you're Uh picking up the pieces? Yeah. And that's that's sort of the viewpoint I'm writing from because this this young character has basically literally been forced into a situation where he's a very junior officer. And he's in a very anomalous position because while he's second in the line of the throne that he may ne- or the kingdom that he may never get, he also is incredibly inexperienced. Mm-hmm. And this puts him in a very difficult situation.
4: So then is it... Um, oh, go ahead. Sorry.
6: I was just going to say, because those who are his technical superiors... May not be telling him the truth because he is the heir. So who do you trust, and to what what degree?
4: So then, adding in that that layer of uh, of intrigue on top of, or the already the the political intrigue, and then the um, the hierarchical intrigue, and then then the war, everything on top of that. Exactly. Wow. How do, so, I mean, how, how, Lee, how do you keep this all straight? I mean this, is, I mean, this is probably beyond my level of ability to write. I mean, I can certainly you know, understand it reading it, but I mean, how, how do you keep all that straight when you're putting all this together in paper?
6: <laughs> I wish I could answer that, that question. Um, I think the only answer I can give it is that it's even halfway. I only work on one book at a time. And when Mm -hmm. I'm in that book, I'm totally immersed in that particular book. Mm -hmm. Um, Once I tried to write two books at the same time, and I swore I'd never do it again, and I remain convinced of that. (laughs) Even so, um, I mean, today we have a lot of technological gadgets that help, one of which, as a colleague pointed out, global search is really helpful. Mm hmm because if you can remember some of the details, you can always go through all of the books that you've written before and say, Okay. I knew I did something like this or this character had this characteristic. Let's just make sure.
4: <laughs> yeah. So then you don't so it's not a matter of keeping every little detail straight, it's just keeping the big picture and then you can always just reference later on.
6: Exactly. Exactly. You've got to keep the big picture, and you've got to keep—you do have to keep in mind the details of your character. Mm-hmm. And but peripheral or I won't say peripheral, but smaller characters—that's where it gets tricky.
3: Yeah.
6: I was reminded on my website the other day that in a book I wrote ten years ago, I'd killed off a character. And somebody pointed out that if he was dead in this book, how come he showed up in a book you wrote three years or four years ago? The only answer I can give is I didn't look close enough. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so is that something you still encounter a lot then, when you're uh, when you're when you're signing books and and, and attending the conventions? No.
6: no, thank heavens, it's rare enough that. <laughs> I don't often get embarrassed, but I think every author does. Um, Mm -hmm. I've forgotten who it was. I was at the Phoenix Comic Con a week and a half or so ago, and I I mentioned something about this, and one of the other authors, and I can't remember who it was, made the observation, well, just tell them that that the character who reported this was misinformed. Blame it on your characters. (laughs) And so do you think that works? Um, in this particular case, it would have been hard to make it work, but there are times when um, it does work. And, I, and there are, frankly, times when you do actually report something like that because especially in a, call it a medieval or a low-tech culture, there are going to be reports that are not correct. And
0: mm-hmm. as an
6: author, you can use those. You prefer to use them knowingly rather than fall back on them <laughs> when you foul Right. Them. <laughs> yeah
4: yeah don't use that as a catch all excuse out there. Junior writers do
6: not do that um, but it does happen, and I suppose I've only had a few instances, and since I've published sixty five books, I think that's not too bad.
4: yeah, that's a good average so then um of of all the um i guess of all the Of all 65 books that you've published, um, is there one in particular
6: that you get asked about the most? No. One of the things I found out is that I would say almost every reader has a favorite book. And there Mm -hmm. are sometimes reasons why you can figure that out. Probably, well, it's been about 20 years ago, no, yeah, about 20 years ago, I wrote a book called... The third book in The Magic Engineer was called The I mean, in The Magic in the Recluse Cycle was called The Magic Engineer. And over the years, I've had a number of engineers approach me and say they really loved that book because they'd never seen anybody, seen very few books with engineers in them as Mm -hmm. main character. Um, But I think everybody has a favorite book. I mean, in the Recluse series, the second book I wrote, The Towers of the Sunset, was one of the first books that I wrote in the third-person present tense. And over the years I've discovered that for an awful lot of readers, that book is either their very favorite book or their least favorite book out of all 17. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have had readers basically claim Almost every book that I've ever written is their favorite. I mean, Mm -hmm. a different book of all those that I've written is their favorite. I think pretty much every book I've written, it's somebody's favorite. Which, when you think about it, isn't surprising. People are different. And there are different things that that, uh, appeal to them.
3: Yeah.
4: So then do you think we'll ever see... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
6: I was going to say, I think I'd be a little bit concerned, frankly, as an author if there was one book that everybody said, oh, that's my favorite.
4: Yeah, that, I was just about to ask that. Is it, do you think we'll ever see anything
6: like that? Well, I, I have seen that with other authors. Mm-hmm. And no, I'm not going to say whom, but um, I've seen that with other authors where a tremendous number of people feel that that is their favorite book. Yeah. I'd much, per, I'd much prefer to have a lot of people having different ones as their favorite book.
4: Yeah, sparks a lot of discussion.
6: Well, that's true too and it also shows that shows that you you're appealing to different people in different ways and I think that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. I mean that, that, that's a personal feeling but I think for me it's I feel it's good.
4: So then um it, of all, uh, the different styles that uh, you have read and and written over the years, is there one that you sort of prefer the most? like, Or do you prefer one to read and then one to write in?
6: No, I'd have to say no to, to either of them. I think one of the things is, I. this is going to get a little technical, but bear with me for just a second. I've sure. written books in third-person past tense and the third-person mm-hmm. present tense and in the first-person past tense. And each book, I think the author should really think about how they want to tell it because each tense and point of view has both a different strength and a different weakness. And at least for me, I try and pick the point of view and the tense to fit the story and the character. Uh, the first book in the, in the Recluse series is called The Magic of Recluse, and it features a 15, 16 year old apprentice cabinet maker. His name is Laris. Laris is somewhat clueless, but fairly bright, and fairly talented, and terribly bored with the world that he's in. It's told from the third-person viewpoint, and that was deliberate. I mean, I'm sorry, it was told from the first-person viewpoint, and that's deliberate, because Mm -hmm. if I'd told it from the third-person point of view, most readers would have given up thinking Laras is the most conceited, self-centered, spoiled brat that ever lived. <laughs> he's not. He's clueless. Yeah. And because he's clueless, he does things which from the outside would look very self-centered. He's actually pretty good-hearted. Even so, there's some readers that didn't like him very much, At least, at least until the last half of the book. But it would have been a a far more difficult sell for the readers if I told that from the third person point of view yeah if your present tense is tricky to do use to do and I wouldn't I would not advocate it for anybody who's not established it upsets editors too much (laughs) Um, but it does have some strengths and that is it ties your reader very close to the action you can't stray very far from exactly what's happening at the moment. And that can be very, very useful for certain characters in certain situations. Right. But you have to know that and understand which ones it's useful for and which ones where it'll, for, that will create even more trouble.
4: And I suppose you get that, I mean, that comes through like a trial and error sort of thing. A uh, 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 method of of, of uh, discovery.
6: I wouldn't say trial and well. <laughs> for me, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. I mean, every writer says they're different, but you come to this and di- you come to writing in different ways. I did not even. I started. I first fifteen years of my writing career, I basically wrote technical stuff and poetry. I didn't even write a short story until I was almost thirty. I didn't write a novel until I was almost 40. And by that time, I had literally 20 years of professional writing experience in everything from legislation, speeches, poetry, technical manuals, and what have you. Mm -hmm. So I got into fiction writing with a lot of writing experience under my belt. That's very different from somebody who basically graduates from high school, college, college, even an MFA program, it says, I'm going to write the great fantasy or science fiction novel.
3: Oh, sorry. Uh,
6: almost,
4: sorry. I'm not adjusting a problem. my microphone <laughs> My microphone keeps tilting down on me, and I have to they keep propping it back up here so I'm trying to get this thing up. No, that'll have to work. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry.
0: All right, Joe. <laughs> All
4: right, so we have to pause for just a moment here to pay our bills. Um, just a reminder that it's 30 minutes past the hour. Uh, you're listening to Dungeon Crawler's radio. Um, we are talking with author L.E. Modisette, Jr. about his new book, Theater's Airs. So if you want to call in, which you can absolutely do, you can reach us at 626-226-1475. We're also available online at uh, info at com, or you can just find us on that Facebook thingy that people seem to talk about a lot. Um, and then... We should have... Uh, <laughs> we got one of the new... Guys this next point. half of the interview is going to be brought to you by Amazon.com. Uh, once you're done with listening to the show, if you want to get yourself any of the other books that you've been uh, hearing about in the past few weeks, just go to the sidebar uh, located at DungeonCollegeRadio.com, clear out your cookies, enter in your search term, and shop as normal. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and uh, even kicks a little bit of money back to us. So it's not entirely a selfless gesture. That's Amazon.com. Wow, I always amaze myself how... uh, I'm always amazed by how I sound. (laughs) I have to hear a recording of myself, so... All right. So, um, excuse me. So, when we were were bringing up your... uh, We were were, were just talking about your your style of writing and and how you've... uh, And what you prefer, what you don't like, and things to do, things not to do. Is there... I mean, is there a a... Uh, I guess a word of advice if somebody is going to start submitting their work to a publisher to to be published for the first time, is there those certain tips you would you would advise?
6: Well, there's one that's so obvious that it's often overlooked, and that is, make sure that the first chapter of anything you submit is absolutely technically perfect. Um, and that it's got something in it that will immediately grab the grab whoever is reading the slush pile's interest instantly.
0: Yeah,
6: I mean that's that's been said a lot of times, but it still bears repeating. And I, the other thing is, I suppose you could say, don't do anything really stupid in the opening pages. I can still remember a rejection letter I got very early in my career from Ben Bova, who was then the editor of um, Analog. Mm
0: -hmm.
6: And the rejection letter sort of went something like this. You realize that the gadget you put in the second paragraph invalidates the entire rest of the story. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Really. Yeah. I'm
4: I'm curious, though, How, how, how did that happen? How did that work? Because...
6: Being a beginning writer, even after all of that technical technical experience,
0: mm-hmm. I
6: didn't think it through,
4: and so you just and create. It was if- so like,
6: oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, you know, there's this idea of I've got this really nifty gadget, and I'm just going to work this in there. Yeah, make sure you're nif- Make sure that your nifty gadget actually has something behind it. That is to say. Does the culture, the economy, the technology support your nifty gadget?
0: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, I mean, the, the, I'll put it in a different way too. Why don't we have a supersonic aircraft today? We had one once. Yeah. We don't have we don't have a supersonic passenger aircraft today. Why not? Well, so we. It's actually pretty simple. It, well, no, it's actually pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to pay the price it costs to travel in a supersonic aircraft. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, but nobody wants to pay for it.
4: And so it really well, did become all, like
6: an economical thing. It, beca- it becomes an economic thing. Hmm. Uh, In terms of writing fantasy, people often come up with these nifty gadgets and mages out in in the woods and everything that are just doing these magnificent things. But people tend to forget one little thing. Mm -hmm. Human beings are tool users. We love to make things that will do things for us. Yeah. Well, if magic doesn't do something for somebody, There's not going to be any reason for it in your story, game, well, maybe not game, but in your story or your novel. We do like things that work, and we really like them that work well.
1: Yeah.
6: People people aren't going to stand around and watch while somebody fiddles with a spell that doesn't work. Not any human beings that I know of.
4: So that just makes for, like, lame storytelling, then? Is that pretty boring?
6: I don't know. It may make for very exciting storytelling until the reader suddenly says, wait a second. Why would they do that? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. So then I'm really curious, because you bring up, you
4: bring up games and, and magic, how they relate to that. And I mean, how... how, how why, why a distinction sh- between probably a, a game and a pra- book?
6: I probably shouldn't have brought up games. I tried to back away from that one as fast as I'd said it.
0: Okay. <laughs>
6: <laughs> that was not a good statement on my part, because you can do anything you want in a game, and nobody's going to care as long as it moves quickly.
4: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because I, I guess that would be the only time magic would be kind of a bad thing, as if it slows all that down.
6: Yeah, exactly.
4: So then, is there an example? I guess um, um, with your with your experience, and have you ever seen a game where magic was like like, uh, like executed? Um, I don't want to say flawlessly, I, but the the best example.
6: I can't do games. I do very okay. few games. Uh, I am so out of games that. Well, I'll tell a story <laughs> that goes along this line. Okay, I have had three game companies take out options on the recluse magic system, wanting to make a game out of it. Every one of the three has gone through the option period and then said, I can't do it. So obviously what I do with magic is not replicable replicable (laughs) in uh, game land. So that makes me a very bad judge of what works in games.
4: (laughs) Yeah, but that I mean, definitely a unique, uh, definitely the unique experience, though, is being able to say, "Yeah, my my Magic broke games."
6: I don't know if it broke games, but (laughs) it made quite a few people who thought they could do something with it not very happy. (laughs)
4: you broke their heads
6: well the last one I actually the last company I actually said this is not going to be as easy as you think and I want you to know that but I did take the money yeah
4: (laughs) I'm pretty sure that was not not a hard sell on that end like give me
6: money all right but I don't want you taking it under false pretenses.
4: Yeah, that the, that they could actually, they might actually come through with something. Or they might actually complete a game out
6: of this. Oh, I'd be happy if they completed a game out of it. What mm-hmm. author wouldn't be? Yeah, that's right. That's, I mean, uh, that's more product. Um, that's certainly something that wouldn't be a problem for me at all. But, yeah. It's, it doesn't seem to work that way. No. Yeah, which is unfortunate.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So then um, along that, um, to kind of transition onward then, I mean, do you, um, has there been any other uh, licensing done for any of your uh, the uh, recluse novels? Have you, I mean, has there been any television or movies optioned out of these?
6: No, not out of the recluse novels. I've only actually oh. had one inquiry... About a mm-hmm. movie deal, and that was actually on a science fiction book. Okay. And James James Cameron's Lightstorm people showed some interest in it, and then they didn't. And I called oh. them up. and I asked, "Okay, I know it's dead. Just tell me why." And they said, oh. "Well, we all liked it. Jim thought it was too complicated." Really. <laughs> Well, this is a guy who made Titanic. I mean. not Yeah,
4: not exactly, com- I guess. Um, no, I'm sorry, com- go ahead.
6: Com- well, I was going to say, Cameron is great on complexity of technology. He's not so great on complexity of plot.
4: No, no, I don't think it. Would, I mean, no. I mean, going all the way back to the early 80s to to his big blockbusters there. I mean, the storylines were like technically marvelous. But the storylines were, I mean, for the most part, pretty simple and straightforward.
6: Mm-hmm. And I don't do, I don't do simple plot lines. I mean, yeah. I, I put it this way: in terms of the underlying plot line, not the story action, but the underlying plot line, all plot lines are pretty simple. Mine tend to focus on people who learn something and learn something from life but how they learn it what they go through to learn it is anything but simple
0: yeah
4: hmm so then uh i guess then go um uh moving on then from the uh from the i guess ob- obligatory movie question that uh always seems to come up right there. so then um once uh, now that now that you're finished with this one, I mean, what's going to be next in the, for your recluse novels? Are you going to be telling the older brother's story, or is this or is this going to be kind of the, now, uh, the end of that
6: one? No, actually, actually, there is a follow up novel entitled Heritage of Sadoor, which is the second half of the younger brother's story, and that will be out November. Uh, I think it's the twentieth. Uh, which is a very short turnaround. Usually, they're about a year between books, but in this particular case, there's only six months b- between the first book and the second book.
4: Wow! So, why the why the uh, why the short turnaround time? Is there going to be? Are they, do they have some sort of uh, package deal?
6: No, I th- it just happens to fall with the way the publisher publisher schedules went. Okay. Maybe they wanted. I think they maybe wanted to get it out before Christmas, but. They don't tell me that. They just once I turn it in, <laughs> they schedule it when they when they want to schedule it.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: So even even today, you, we're, you're you're still operating, I guess, on the publishers' sort of timetables.
6: Everybody, no matter how powerful they are, well, except maybe George R. 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 Martin, but for the rest of us, <laughs> even Brandon Sanderson, we tend to operate on. The publisher schedule mm-hmm. once we finish the book, I mean basically, they can't do anything until we finish the book, so that part of the schedule's up to us. Mm-hmm. but once it's finished, the scheduling's up to them. Mm. now, generally speaking, there's a very simple rule that goes with this: The more books you sell, the faster they're going to put it into the schedule yeah. But they won't put it into the schedule just because they want to get it out there fast. They'll also have to consider what else is scheduled at that time. Is that a good time of year for that particular book? Mm. I mean, it's no coincidence that that a lot of the best-selling books come out in November and December. They make good Christmas presents. Yeah.
4: So then, let me get your feelings on this one before we have to start wrapping up for the hour. Is uh, so? Does I mean, does giving a hard copy book still? Co- I mean, does that still? Would that count as a, a good Christmas present? Because I, mean, I would think with all the eBooks and uh, and um, and other media forms that are coming out here, you know, especially like, uh, like DVDs and stuff like that, straight-to-video stuff, do books still count in that category as good Christmas presents?
6: What's happening in the book market is very interesting. Hardcovers are still selling pretty well. The mm-hmm. call it the print area that has just taken the huge hit is the mass market paperback. I, don't, I can't speak to the entire field, but in the science fiction and fantasy field, Print runs on mass market paperbacks are something like 20 to 25% of what they were 15 years ago. I mean, it's a, been a huge, huge drop there. In terms of hardcovers, there's been a slight decline, but nothing like that. And that's pretty much been made up by the high-priced e-books, the ones that are priced higher until the paperback comes out. So the total of the high-priced e-book and the initial hardcover for most authors is pretty much the same from what I've seen. Now, I'm sure there's some authors that's going to say, oh, I did better, or some that said I did worse.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: But the numbers I've seen overall seem to indicate that there's still a lot of people who do like that hardcover book. As I said earlier, the, a minute ago, the paperbacks are the ones that have really taken the hit. Yeah, ouch.
4: I know, at a quarter of what they used to be, that is that is almost dreadful. I mean that's, that's, that's heartening.
6: Yeah, well, that, that, that again is an average. There are authors that will do better or worse, and there are fields that will mm-hmm. do better or worse. Those numbers are only applicable to science fiction and fantasy. I don't know about romance or anything like that or westerns or what have you, but mm-hmm. those are pretty representative numbers in fantasy and science fiction.
3: Ah,
4: still so okay. So then, I guess uh, lesson being: um, go out there and support your your local science or your science fiction and fantasy authors. Go buy their mass market paperback books.
6: Well, if, actually, if you really want to support them, buy the hardcover book. If you can't support them that way, <laughs> <laughs> buy anything else, but buy it. I mean, but one of the problems. Buy from your I've authors. Seen, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the problems I've seen is too, and I don't care what the statistics show, there has been a loss to piracy in terms of electronic books. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a trade-off there because some people will pick up a pirated copy and that will turn them on to an author that they will then buy. But there was always a large sampling, and I certainly, when I was, you know, 15, 20 years ago, when, when I was buying a lot of science fiction, maybe it was 30 years ago, but when I was buying a lot of science fiction, I'd pick up a lot of paperbacks, especially of authors I didn't know. And a lot of them, I'd never read that author again. It just wasn't to my taste. But you had to sample the stuff that way, especially yeah. if you weren't in a library. And that accounted for a certain percentage of sales. Well, we're seeing much more, I think, now that people are using the electronic freebies in one way or another to sample authors. Well, to some cases, like Bain has done it very successfully, they've used, they've produced, they've put out low-cost and even free electronic copies trying to get people interested in their authors. And it's worked to a certain degree for them, probably more than for anybody else. But I'm convinced just looking at the discrepancy between the the, uh, paperback sales and even the the low-cost e-book sales, and the former sales for mass market paperbacks, I'm convinced there's got to be a loss there or something, because the low-priced e-books simply are not making up the difference between the market was there. And that either means that either people are reading a whole lot less, or there's piracy, or there's some combination thereof.
4: Uh, bad news either way.
6: Yeah. And I've seen a number of good mid-list authors who can no longer support themselves, as a result of the decline in the mass market paperback, ow
4: so it's more and more i mean it's i mean hopefully it'll never fully disappear but i mean but that is a like a it's kind of a shrinking market i suppose
6: I don't know that it's necessarily shrinking I think it's changing and it hits the mid-list author is probably harder than others because you're getting an expansion in the self-published works. And for people who just want a quick adventure and they want it cheaply, they're going to go to the self-published or the pirated works. Mm-hmm. Um, and that erodes choice, I think, the mid-list author to a considerable degree. It doesn't seem to hurt George R. R. Martin or Brandon Sanderson or David Weber or... Uh, the mega people, yeah, um, but for people who are authors who are tottering in the middle, it, it has had a noticeable impact. And it's also switched the market to another degree in the sense that it used to be people judged authors strictly on their work.
0: Mm-hmm. Now
6: with the growth of the Internet and social media, a lot of authors build up a huge personal following which then translates into their books, yeah, and that's a marketing device that we haven't seen it except recently, and so a lot of authors are being judged as much on what they do in terms of their media as if, as what they write um, and we haven't seen that except recently oh in yeah. in the book publicity field,
0: hmm
4: so then uh, I guess well, one final question before we got to wrap up then. Do you feel that that sort of gives the, the authors an unfair advantage?
6: No, I think it gives certain authors an unfair advantage. It's just a tool. Um, mm-hmm. An author who is really good at an Internet presence is going to have an advantage over one that doesn't want to do that or can't do it. Mm-hmm. But there's al- there have always been advantages to various kinds of authors. There's always a time when maybe humorous authors had an advantage or there's a time when authors with a particular style had an advantage. It's a tool, but it does have an impact because I think when people buy on personality, the emphasis tends to go away from the quality of the writing and emphasizes more the celebrity of the author rather than the quality of the works. And that does bother me a little bit.
3: Yeah,
4: Yeah. Well, um, well. I guess before we have to start letting you go, um, Lee, where um, where are you going to be appearing next? Are you going to be having any book signings or um, media appearances or conventions coming up?
6: Actually, I am not. uh, I have actually taken pretty much the summer off because we're doing a huge remodeling project at at our home. Oh yeah. And there have been a couple of other. Personal matters I don't want to get into, which means that I can't really travel I'm fine oh, okay but we'll leave we'll leave it at that um, so I'm not going to be traveling probably until the fall, and right now, Tor has not lined up anything that I will be doing around uh, Heritage of or which will be out in November, but I'm sure that I know there will be appearances in october November
0: somewhere <laughs> but not until then. <laughs>
4: Not until about then. Okay. So yeah. then, for, uh, and then for any of our listeners who are interested in uh, picking up Sayurda's Heirs or uh, any of your other works, where can they find them?
6: Pretty much anywhere. Amazon's got them. Barnes Noble's got them. A good number of bookstores carry at least a few of them. Um, and everything I've written is available in electronic format with the exception of one book. So 64 out of 65 isn't bad. And if all else fails, try your public library.
4: <laughs> they still exist, I promise. They're still around. <clears throat> all right. And then uh, if, anybody, uh, if anyone out there listening wants to get a hold of you and heap on any extra praise um, or wants to... Uh, get receive any kind of uh, special deals? Where, what kind of website can they follow you on?
6: I have a fairly elaborate website. It's elliemodisatjr.com. No punctuation in that except for the dot.
4: <laughs> at the very end, the dot com.
6: Yeah. Okay. And I also got a forum on the, the Internet database of books uh, website as well.
4: Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, well, thank you very much for being on with us again, Lee. I really look forward to hearing uh for your uh from your the uh, from for your for your next book out in October.
6: Well, I'm looking forward to it too and I hope we can talk then. All right. Yeah, great. Yeah. As soon as uh, as soon as
4: you get all the marketing stuff figured out, yeah, uh you'll drop us drop us a line back again. We'll have you back on the show anytime.
6: I appreciate it very much. Thank you very much.
4: Yeah, no, you're very welcome. Thank you very much, Lee. Have yourself a good night.
6: You too. I will. Thank you. Joe, you rock.
4: Oh, wow. You
1: rock. All
4: right, so uh so author, former politician, navy pilot, Ellie Modisett Junior, everyone?
1: All right. Yeah, Joe, yeah, yeah. you Excellent. just wins.
4: Yet again, you you always just prove that you are
0: oh, the me. interviewer. <laughs> me. <laughs> the extraordinary. Where, where the
4: rest I, I of like us. I you just, asked questions. Where the rest of us were just kind of sitting around. I was watching everything wrong with Transformers Three. You mean Joe the entire movie? Was, <laughs> Joe was here, oh, just. Joe was in the zone, rocking it, He's having a good time. And yes, you're right. The entire movie Wait, was wrong. Yeah, it was. I actually got into an internet war with some people the other day. Really over Michael Bay. <laughs> As one so, really doesn't need to because. It was. They were talking about the Power Rangers movie, oh, and they're all going on. They're like, "Oh, we don't want him directing. You know, we don't want him directing the Power Rangers." And I'm like, "Who cares?" Like they're all judging him on the Ninja Turtles movie, which he didn't direct. He produced it. Exactly. He's not the director. And the Transformers movie, which is, let's be honest, a Hasbro toy. Always was. Yeah. There's. There's. A... <laughs> yeah. What? What? I, what do you expect? What is anybody expecting? Masterpiece Theater? Yeah. It's a series about. Cracked-out robots, yeah. you know, fighting that people. that blow stuff up. And honestly, they're kidnapping children to go along for the ride if you pay attention to the cartoon. <laughs> like, they take these kids with them. They're like, oh, hey, come save the world for us. They're like 12. Yeah. Well, thank you, giant robot car thing. Yeah. I'll hop right inside of you. Yeah. you got to think there was at least... The, on the on the on the cutting room floor, at least one of the Transformers was like the white creeper van with oh, yeah. the blacked out windows. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Stranger danger does not apply here. Yeah, <laughs> it should. Yeah, Whoa, oh, you're a, a giant floating car
4: with, with a robot walking around. Yeah, that's totally legit. I'll oh, hang yeah. out with you. Oh, you brought free candy? Pretty <laughs> cool. Alright, so uh, this, uh, we're uh, going to be taking a quick break and then when we come back uh, we will have uh, interview number two. I do not have the names it here. is going to be for Adopting Trouble with Lee Gardner
1: and... He says... Blake Castleman. <laughs> has All right, in the go.
4: background. <laughs> it's been a long day. Sorry, Blake. So really this next long. interview is going to be brought to you by audible.com. So if you want to get a free bu- audio book, which you should... Go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash dungeoncrawlersradio, or even easier, click on the Audible link in our, uh, on our face page, which is dungeoncrawlersradio.com, and sign up for your free book today, You can all, and a free month uh, subscription to uh, Audible. If you don't want to continue with the uh, wonderfulness that is Audible, you can cancel it anytime you want. Whatever books you've uh, received are yours to listen and enjoy for time and all eternity.
6: Audible. It just makes sense.
3: When you were just a young girl
4: We're back. So that was uh, Blood Bone by Stephen Thunder Tibbs, correct?
1: That is correct.
4: And then the last one was Don't Talk to Strangers. Since we were talking about the Petty Van, oh, yeah. figured we might as well. <laughs> oh, oh, did that go out live? Ye- oh, yeah, by yeah. the way. Send any complaints to Flagoon at DungeonCrawlersRadio.com. There we go. Okay.
0: <laughs> the things we get
4: away with when Revan's not here. Hey, it, what Revan doesn't hear doesn't happen. You know he's going to listen to this tonight. True. We're all going to get a group text it. I'll, get a, I'll get a complaint, but, but I have said much worse than Petty Van. Here's what yeah, I'm thinking. Colin's producing this show right now because I'm too lazy to do it. True. <laughs> all complaints go to Colin. And and I have Windows is. I have Windows eight on my computer which sucks. So <laughs> the computer or Windows eight 8? Windows eight. What's the
0: difference? I don't um, mind
4: you because I I don't know. We're just looking for excuses Lying. for why just you're doing. Well, this. We're, we're looking for to. reasons here. <laughs> that and I don't I'm have the drivers enough. for the for 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 Bertha on the. Uh,
1: it's not Bertha. It's
4: Bertha it is no.
1: No, no, no. truck. Destruct-
4: Destruct- if you call Robo, Destruct- Destruct- That is the con, gayest Dag-nabbit. name ever. <laughs> it is the most awesome name. <laughs> All right. Well, while we <laughs> are while we are still talking, or since we're talking, huh, we've got Colin some over there. We got some lovely guests here sitting at the table with us right now. Um why don't you guys uh care to introduce yourselves for the for the
1: listening public? Hello, I'm the lovely Blake Castleman
4: and I am Lee Gardner. Yeah. All right, Blake has my lead Gardner. So, uh, yeah. So, well, welcome back to the welcome show. Welcome back. I, you,
1: were yes. here, you were here, but we were. I was here. Ago. I was here back in March mm-hmm. with an artist named Brian Hells, mm-hmm. and we were uh, talking about a graphic novel we did together called Devil's Triangle. That's right. And it, it was an epic show, as I recall. <laughs> that it was. It was. And so this next
4: was uh, this, uh,
1: this. So I just school. raising the bar for all of you. That's yeah. And this next I'll, thing, I'll you be very disappointed if the show isn't at least near that <laughs> well.
4: epic quality. Uh, well, the quality. Well, I'm
1: thinking, Revan's not here, so we're going to get a bit
4: wild. Yeah, that, <laughs> that we will. And uh, Colin, this, put your back uh, on. I'd like to say that we are
5: adopting Whoa. trouble
4: here. Uh, 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 horrible uh, There we go. Uh, so uh, tell us about this uh, this film or uh, this project. Do those jokes get you, ladies? No, I didn't think so. That's that's why I'm married. (laughs) Did that joke work on her? No, Stephanie. None of none of my jokes work on on her, Mrs. Flagoon. You should let us know if he's actually funny or not. She will say no. (laughs)
0: She's
4: she's had to deal with me for 12 years. This 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 Friday, actually tomorrow, and uh, 12 years tomorrow. 12 years tomorrow, and uh, yeah, she's uh, pretty much heard all of my stuff. We've all heard your stuff. It's only been like three weeks. I'll <laughs> silence you. <laughs>
0: okay,
4: so uh, yeah. So Blake and Lee are here to talk about their new film, Adopting Trouble. Um, would you pl- please give us a rundown on this?
5: Um, Adopting Trouble is about a couple who, uh, having, having a rough time having kids, they decide to resort um, as a last-ditch effort to uh, criminal activities to acquire a child. That sounds healthy. <laughs>
4: really? <laughs>
0: yeah.
5: uh, they, they decide with help from um, semi-competent criminal mastermind, Roach, uh, the, the lead antagonist, to uh, help them acquire this, this uh, kid from a woman who was going in for an abortion. So they decide to kidnap her and keep <laughs> her and force her to have a baby for them.
1: <laughs> really?
0: It's, it's a it's
1: a feel good family film, obviously, <laughs>
0: definitely. Now,
1: who's who's the target audience for this one? People who like dark comedies. Uh, <laughs> the Hollywood pitch would be uh, "Raising Arizona" meets "Ruthless People." Holy if crap! You've seen those films? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah so we,
5: we definitely like uh, stuff about um, criminals who are bad at being criminals as mm-hmm. well. It's always a good fun fun ride. Yeah. So. So uh,
4: how how were you coming up with the uh, the initial plot and the initial treatments for this?
5: Um, it actually came it actually came from raising Arizona. We we were trying to think of as for our first feature. We we produced a lot of short films and whatnot, mm-hmm. and uh, we thought, well, what if we took it a step back? Instead of kidnapping a baby, we get someone where it's we kidnap the mom. It's going to have the baby. And so it kind of led to, well, how do we do that and not, you know, come off as total creeps? And um, so we decided, well, what if they kidnap someone and go, go in for an abortion? Because they don't want the baby anyway. Yeah. And so they, they'll do that. That'll be their, their solution. Is they And part of it, too, was that we were trying to find something that was would take place in a minimal amount of locations, which we figured, you know, a basement. So Okay. Which they're... Fairly readily available.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Although, as far as locations, as we wrote the script, we added a bunch of locations anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, so it
0: didn't,
5: it didn't, we didn't end up sticking inside of the basement. So, but that that was the initial the initial idea. Is we're trying to find something that could be shot in one location.
1: Okay. We we also felt like that uh, even though, as a filmmaker, as an independent filmmaker, you always hope that there's money out there. Mm-hmm we wanted to do something that we could do on, on a micro budget. And so we we kind of had in mind, as we wrote the story, what are locations that we should have access to. Uh, as far as the characters, what is it about them that, you know, won't require a huge budget as far as costuming, wardrobe, uh, Certain props and so forth. So we really wrote this film, keeping in mind that we weren't going to have a lot of money to spend, and, and we didn't have a lot of money to spend. But uh, we, we 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 worked through it.
4: <laughs> so what what sorts of uh, what sort of problems do you guys uh, have? You guys encountered then with such a with the small budget that you're that you're talking
5: about. Probably the biggest one was just the scheduling. We we shot it over a three month period, nights and weekends. Uh thirty nine mm-hmm. shooting days, kind of a mix of full days and half days, so which is is pretty dangerous for yeah. a film. Yeah. You know, kids kids somebody.
1: don't try this at home. So <laughs> thing.
5: But um you know, we we put a lot of time into the script, you know, in advance and so uh we there's really only one person that, that fell out. Um <laughs> even you know, it, between cast and crew that uh, for the whole three months. So, mm-hmm. you know, we really, it was like, wow, it was amazing. <laughs> so but we had a bunch of committed people who just loved the script and wanted to be a part of it to the end. So, yeah,
4: so you were using a lot of uh, local actors, right, to, from the Utah area.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think, I mean, there's a couple of actors. um they all, originated, they all originated in Utah. Some of them have kind of migrated down to L.A. or they're kind of back and forth. But mm-hmm. realistically, all the, pretty much all the talent and all the crew are were, were local. Okay.
4: So uh, how was it then selling them on the idea of showing up
5: to, a,
1: to film a movie on, on, the, on the shoestring kind of budget? Well, and, and they all got paid. Okay. Uh, we, we paid them a lot less than what they were worth. Um, to get them to come over so many days, I think, I think the number one thing we did was we were willing to work around their schedule. Yeah. That was very complicated at times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I used to have a full head of hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but, um, and, and I think the other factor was the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we worked hard on the script. Uh, we, we showed it to people. We got feedback. And uh, we, we did ten drafts of the script yeah. before the day one of shooting. And then we did another draft of the script while we were shooting as we had to make adjustments.
0: Yeah.
1: Certain locations weren't available. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Lee mentioned, one of the actors dropped out. And so we had to um, rewrite his part, brought in another actor to, 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 to fill pay. in the part that the the original actor was supposed to take. And I think we pulled it off, but, yeah, it was it was a script that they believed in.
4: Yeah. I, yeah, it, and it really shows if you're getting them to commit um, to something so hectic and yeah. kind of, I don't want to say iffy, iffy's not really the right word here, but it was definitely like a... Oh, gosh, kind of just not uh, a, not set in stone as like a yeah. like traditional Hollywood filming would be.
5: Yeah, I mean a lot of it too for for us. We we found people that were really hungry for for making films. Mm-hmm. Um, our lead actor, I think he's you know funny as hell, but um, most of the time he doesn't get cast in lead parts. He gets the best friend part. He gets the mm-hmm. you know, and so that's that's a huge thing for an actor to get a lead. You yeah, know, they're they're in it 100. percent So. Yeah.
1: And, and one of our lead actresses, who's actually uh, getting quite a bit of work in L.A. since uh, she filmed our movie, she moved to California uh, in the middle of production. Actually, so we had to hurry. Oh, really?
0: and we had to hurry and get her stuff
1: shot. But um, you know, we were we were a few weeks into production, and she just happened to mention that our film was her first film that she had ever done. She she had done commercials. She had done a lot of stage work. Mm-hmm. But she hadn't even done a short film, and I, I asked her. I said, "Well, I don't remember you putting that in your resume or saying anything during <laughs> auditions." And she was like, "Well, I was afraid you guys wouldn't want me, oh, <laughs> because I hadn't done any films." But she was she was awesome. She, she killed was, in the audition. Yeah, yeah, she did. Really. Yeah. So
4: to I, to help draw kind of a parallel to what we were talking about earlier um, with the the first interview with Lee Monisette, I mean, what is how is writing a script different than like writing any kind of other story? How, how does that differ?
5: Well, I mean, the biggest is that you know you've you've got to make the story fit in an hour and a half or you know between an hour and a half two hours. So that's that's probably you know there there's somewhat of an expected structure. Okay. Um, in in feature length films, mm-hmm. um, obviously, you know. The, the masters will 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 buck that and do their own thing, or even you know when you get into stuff like Pulp Fiction, they actually are they actually are complete stories. They just overlap with characters. So, yeah. You know, um,
1: a big part of uh, writing for film that would be different than uh, Ellie Modicet with what he does is novels are very internal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You get inside the character's head. You get backstory being inside their head. You you get what you get a lot of the characters' reaction to what's going on. You get a lot of their motivation being inside them. Writing a screenplay, you're writing for a strictly visual medium. Yeah. So you can't go inside the character's head in the script because how do you show that on the screen? Right. Technically so,
5: voiceover, but most of the time that that feels like a cheat, and it's only in specific situations where you feel like you know stand by me where it's more of a narration than necessarily in that character's head at the yeah. moment
1: kind of thing so outside of that you you have to show motivation you have to show what's going on inside the character you have to show everything that's internal with characters you have to show it through action and dialogue because yeah. that's all you have
4: yeah and you only have what yeah the 90 minutes to 2 hours to convey all of that right so then at that, that how long does it take, um, about how long, how much paper is used to get about a minute worth of film in, in a screenplay?
1: Well, the, the the standard is one page equals one minute, but okay. so that's not true at all. No, not really? Our script was 103 pages long, mm-hmm. which is a little bit on the longer side for a comedy, mm-hmm. but uh, right now we're in the process of, of editing the film and we've had one screening already where people gave feedback as far as helping us figure out what needs to get cut out. Mm -hmm. But the first cut was two hours, almost two and a half hours long. Whoa. So, um, and, and (laughs) we, we really didn't shoot a lot outside of what was on the page. Yeah. So you, you have to, you know, Hollywood standard is, uh, they like scripts that are between 90 and 105 pages. Yeah anything longer is going to be like a Braveheart or a Titanic, something that's two and a half, three hours long. Yeah. So as a screenwriter, you really have to kind of uh, use brevity as part of your storytelling. Mm-hmm. You need to say and show everything you want to say and show, but you only have so many pages to do right. that. Right, and so
4: you have to be very, very concise with the words. Absolutely. So so then I, I'm really curious then is, because um, I mean, I've, I've Read screenplays and stuff as in, in my college time, but we never studied comedies as far as screenplays go. How I mean, how do you convey humor on in a screenplay and not wear out the joke? Like, how, is there or or just, is that not possible?
5: I'd say you know, with you have certain jokes that you know you're going you're gonna play, um, reoccurring. Recurring themes, but you've you know, what what we do most of the time is we we get a lot of feedback. Mm-hmm. So you know, and, and and having people read your script prior to shooting it is your first audience, and so they'll they'll tell you what Joe you're like. Yeah, that one's getting old. You know, you've done it six times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's time to cut a couple out. We're <laughs> tired of it. You know, um, it's it's what they it's the audience. It's their reaction. So. Yeah. I mean, we we have what we we're doing what we think is funny, funny you know instances in the in the film. We're putting those scenes in there. Um, and it's it's kind of just your own perception of what it's your sense of humor, so hopefully
1: other people share your <laughs> sense of humor. That's, that's been one of at the attitude. questions we've had through the editing process, and we've been a little anxious showing it to people because our our conversation has been. Are these jokes that we think that are funny and no one else will? You know, so <laughs> it's been really interesting to see what people laugh at and what people don't laugh mm-hmm. at. And some things work on paper that don't work on film. Agreed, yeah. There's a scene where the woman who goes for the abortion, she goes a friend takes her to a s kind of a, a support group for, for single pregnant women. Mhm. And the scene that was about six pages long, which is a really long scene. Yeah screenwriting wise um, these women just go off and all the the pain and the agony and the the horrifying parts of being pregnant and giving birth to children Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Lee and I both have children so we just went off what we watched our wives go through (laughs) through 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 childbirth and, and that process and when people would read it and give us feedback, a lot of people really loved that scene. They said, that scene is hilarious. And so we shot the scene and then we've shown it to some people, uh, edited together. And, and the reaction has been kind of the opposite. Like that scene just goes on too long. And yeah, there's some funny parts, but there's other parts that, that don't work. And so we've had to cut that scene way down and just leave the funny parts in it. Whereas on paper, it was a lot funnier than, yeah, than, than when it was played out and filmed. Yeah. So
5: definitely, I mean, we're we're lucky we get, you know, the final edit of the script, which is the final edit of the film. So we yeah. get to see uh, who. <laughs> it's like a, nobody's laughing at this, this joke. It's not funny. Yeah. That's the that's the true <laughs> test. And so, all right, yank it out.
4: And so, uh, over because uh, you you guys you've both made other like short films stuff yeah. like that in the past. Yeah. So then uh, how has your process of filmmaking then refined over since that very first one up until now?
5: Um, I don't know. One of the biggest things that we did, we knew... Uh, we didn't go to film school. We kind of it was self-taught. We'd, mm-hmm. you know,
1: I went to film school. Well, you went to film yeah. school.
5: <laughs> One yeah, of you Aaron went to film I, school. Dude. Our other, other. We, we have partner. we have a
1: third partner, and he didn't go to film school either. So so they they went a different route than I went. Ah. So. Yeah,
5: but for for us it was always, um, we would we would pick. You know, we'd look at Hollywood films, we go, why why do they just look like they do? Why do ours suck so bad? And, uh, you know, what can we do to improve it? So we'd kind of target a a specific area Mm -hmm. that we were going to try and improve or make better, bring somebody else that knew more than us or whatnot, or study up on that. And so we'd, you know, there was a point where we... Finally brought in a make- makeup artist to actually, you know, because our, like our actors are starting to look kind of greasy. We, I think we should get a makeup artist in here. I don't know what I'm doing with it, so it's always it was just it was steps. It was lighting. It was camera angles. It was makeup. It was you know it was just you know better better sound mix. Better you know, fine testing equipment and just working mm-hmm. our way up as we um, told told stories that we had. So. Mm-hmm.
4: So then can you give us a little insight then, what was, what was the first film that you made? What was that like?
5: Um, I get, I mean, I've, I've been making films since, since I was like 12. Okay. With my dad, who was an independent filmmaker, and mm-hmm. he, we had access to a video camera before a lot of people did, I'd say. And we, every chance we get, we were just burning through VHS things. <laughs> But I'd say the the one that I made that was uh, probably when I was a little more serious with it, you know, looking at it as becoming a career, um, was one called Basic Math, and it was about um, two uh, some roommates, some college roommates, um, Mm -hmm. where one decides that he is fast enough that he can dodge a paintball that gets shot at him, and so they go out to test that theory, (laughs) and you can just imagine what. what happened he gets lit up so you know it's good (laughs) good fun everybody likes seeing someone get shot with a paintball gun so
4: (laughs) that hurts
5: hilarity ensues yeah paintball paintball and humor It it was uh it was pretty terrible it was it was fun it had little moments that were okay but you know uh, I was in it, which I, you know, I do a little bit of acting, but I don't, I don't consider myself an actor.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I saw um,
5: you in the, I saw you in the trailer for Adopting Trouble. Yeah, I, I do okay. I try not to get in front of the camera. I like being behind. it. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> make
5: make your occasional homages every now and again, kind of like.
4: Uh, well,
1: we we made everyone, including ourselves, be in the film. Okay. So our 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 wardrobe supervisor has a little scene. Our yeah, our everybody. hair and makeup person has a scene her uh, the girl who assisted her is in a scene and that's partially because <laughs> uh, we're cheap and yeah they
5: were you know they were they were, were, they were there
1: <laughs> hey put this shirt on go go stand over
5: there say this line you're a security guard now um just stand yeah, our, there our sound guy
1: was a security guard so did any of them
4: get, ever give you any guff about uh what's my motivation or where's my trailer
5: you knew that <laughs> No, Nothing like no, that they, they knew everything it was was abs- I, mean, I guess that was another thing too I could bring up when when we told people about this, we said we're shooting on weekends it's going to take a while we're shooting on your you know your schedule we were totally upfront with absolutely how much we're you know could pay mm-hmm. and and what the schedule would be, so they knew there was no chance of having a trailer
1: <laughs> <laughs> none none at all we, we we had plenty of trailers for them like on youtube and imdb.com but <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> but um, yeah. Yeah, that's a trailer so okay. are there any plans of doing anything uh, anything after this uh, when uh, when you know adopting trouble gets finished are you guys going to like in the mix of working on something uh, new
1: we are actually working on two scripts Right now. We're developing a sci-fi, a military sci-fi film.
4: And the other one's a gritty crime drama?
1: It's a gritty horror okay. film. Okay. Yeah. So close. close.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Pretty close
1: so. on that. But, uh, yeah, we, we are trying to finish Adopting Trouble. We uh, are in the middle of a uh, Indiegogo campaign. Okay. For it. So if you go to www.indiegogo.com, type in uh, Adopting Trouble. They'll take you there. Uh, we're, we need money to... Finish the film as far as uh, getting a professional sound design mm-hmm. on it and uh, music. Uh, color correction. And color correction. So. Okay. But those are the last pieces of the puzzle. Those are the last pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. So and. so unlike a lot of uh, crowdfunding film projects, a lot of people go and not a frame's been shot and they're asking for money. We We need a little bit of money just to finish it because the... The heavy lifting's already been done. Ah, so okay, speed, so so you've
4: got the film in the can. You just got to work on
5: the the, yeah. the special tweaks afterwards. Yeah, we, we making it sound nice, the bit the polish, yeah, bit la- yeah, polish. The last bit. <laughs> and then
1: once it's done, we uh, we have some film festivals we want to send it to, train to get and the, the film in, in in front of the right people. Yeah. And yeah, because it the- will
4: probably be for if you do a donation of, like, maybe five cents. <laughs> <School will> send <laughs>
1: hey, a we'll send you spit in a jar. Hey, we'll take five cents at this point. Yeah. <laughs> we will send
4: you spit in a can. Yes. Everybody in the cast will spit in a can for you.
0: <laughs> and
5: we, we are offering uh, some props from the film mm-hmm. for people who are inclined that way. Um,
1: and, and dinner with some people involved with the film, too. Yeah. So. hmm we we, so, we we have our we have our incentives.
5: Standard T-shirts and baseball caps, baseball caps, whatnot. Movie poster, DVD, DVD yeah. all that stuff.
0: So, so
4: so it's not like give us money and you, you get to see the movie because you know because everyone gets to see the movie. It's no, you're giving them something for
0: it. Yeah,
5: there's a, everything. There's I mean I think the lowest I think it's like a ten dollar that's that's just donating, but that's the only one everything else is, has you know we kind of think of it as obviously dvds aren't aren't 20 bucks these days or yeah. dvds aren't 30 bucks anymore either but you know donating a little bit to uh, independent filmmaking and kind of pre-buying the pre-buying the dvd yeah. blu-ray what, or whatnot so so has this been your uh, first attempts with uh, a crowd fund or have you done a crowdfunding
4: before
1: this is our first is our attempt. First. So, uh,
4: any any hints or subject, suggestions that uh, you'd like to give put out there for anybody who's thinking about doing a crowd fund, that you a, a sort a crowd sourcing fund that you've you know you wish you would have had somebody tell you before.
5: Um, the toughest thing is with with adopting trouble since it's a one off and it's not a series or it's not a web series. It's tough to build an audience, and that's really the biggest thing is. Is getting word out ahead of time, um, you know, finding an audience and getting getting in contact with them. You know, like-minded people are really what you're looking for. So. Also, a
1: lot of people that do well with crowdfunding have either a name uh, attached to their project. Which yeah, we have great actors, we have very talented actors, but mm-hmm. we don't have that name actor uh, that a lot of people. Uh, that some independent films are able to get their, yeah, their hands on them in. Um, and the other thing is, 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 uh, name recognition yeah. too. And that, that ties into, to Lee talking about getting your name out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: So it's really one of, one of the most important it's offering, you know, giving, giving incentives that make sense, making sure that you can fulfill, uh, fulfill what you're doing, you know, what you're offering. Um, Things uh having having videos a lot of times it's like people put stuff up that it's a picture with three paragraphs and it's like you, you have no chance
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know
5: it, you you, you want to know it, it's really about selling yourself yeah more than more than the project because they can, they need to believe in you as much as they believe in the project right because otherwise <laughs> people feel like they're just throwing it away they need to know you're serious they need to know that their money's gonna go to you know ha- having evidence that that you are, you know, mm-hmm. that it's legit. Is, yeah, because you don't a advertise thing. a comedy
4: person and then you give them something that's not funny at all. Right?
5: Yeah, I mean, we had, we had our trailer finished before we, before we uh, put it up. So people, you know, it's like, trailers usually a fair, you know, fair representation or can be, I guess. Yeah. Hollywood sometimes does stuff <laughs> where you're, you're like, that's not the film I paid eight bucks to see. I don't yeah. know why they, their trailer was weird or they gave you everything but, you know, it still is usually a pretty good representation. So it's like, you don't have to just believe. We give, give them something. Give it give them you know concept art if it's going to be a sci-fi. Give them, you know, uh, if it's a horror, go go shoot a little bit of it or something, or, or show them that you know what you're doing as yeah. far as horror and suspense and whatnot goes. Yeah, because it
4: does come back to that evidence. You know, yeah. show them that you are serious about what it is you're trying to make.
1: Absolutely. One thing that we're doing during the campaign is we're we're putting out more content. Uh like we, we, we threw up a scene, a short scene from the film. Mm-hmm. We we've put up a couple memes. We've we've put up a uh, an interview with one of the actors, Clint Vanderlinden, who mm-hmm. was uh in a film called Unicorn City. Yeah, fantastic a lot of, guy. A lot of people remember him as the centaur rhubarb <laughs> in that one. Uh, he plays our bad guy Roach. Very funny, very uh
0: He's so unique, yeah,
1: man. Yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. nobody like guy, him. Anyway, <laughs> we we he did a short we, we we filmed a short interview with him a couple months ago, and mm-hmm. and and we put that up the other day. So we're trying to keep keep fre- contact keep, with them, you know? keep, keep contact with our potential uh, contributors by yeah. by putting up new content and saying, okay, here's something else representing our film or connected to our film. Mm-hmm. You know, we put up a poster one day. You know, just, just, there's, there's a lot of little things you can do yeah. during the campaign to, the to kind of keep stuff. yourself in people's.
5: You want to get everything prepared, too, ahead of time. You want to have it ready to, you know, get everything ready to put up as far as content-wise, get it all lined up, get a, you know, get a schedule for it, have, have it all there, you know.
4: Have it as far in advance as you can.
5: Yeah. Sort of thing.
4: So speaking of as far enough in advance... This will uh, have nothing to do with Far Enough Advance. It's already uh, a little bit, 30, 30 minutes past the hour. You're listening to Dungeon Crawler's Radio. Uh, we're speaking with Lee Gardner and Blake Castleman of uh, of the film Adopting Trouble. So if you want to call in, you can call us at 626 226 147 or you can always send us an email at infodungeoncrawlersradio.com. Hit us up on that Facebook, Twitter thingy. Or you can also chat with us live. Uh, just go to dungeoncrawlersradio.com, click on Listen Live. Scroll down to the bottom of Blog Talk Radio and join in the chat.
1: Subscribe, share. Do everything yes.
4: they just said. Everything. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't
1: listening. Do it or
4: we will terminal. send Ben over to your place to mock you. <laughs> you know we will do that. I'm kind of on board with that. That's really the only thing he does. <laughs> I'm really good at it, too. Well, he does have good ideas. I think. Yeah. I do occasionally. So He's a slightly less fat kid with good ideas. <laughs> <tagging along. laughs> I'm just saying, I mean,
1: you're Lord Flagoon. Yes.
4: That's not a lie. No, that it is not. It cheese. is not. And so, Ben is the fat kid who tags wow. along and has good ideas. Exactly. Also, I'm, the less, I'm the slightly or less straight. fat kid who tags you along are... and has good ideas. No, you so you'll have always be the fat kid who tags along and has good ideas. What are you saying, Colin? It, it doesn't matter Eagle! what site. Eagle! <laughs> you guys created your own monster on that one. You
1: know, I can't yeah, wait I'm for that picture really to be released. I'm really uncomfortable
4: with those pictures being released. It's going to be great. All
1: the more for those of you should. who don't know, we just got out of a photo shoot on Tuesday. We're doing some
4: editing on the pictures. They're pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> They're not. There's an awkward photo of him crawling on my back like an eagle. <laughs> Hey, we like got a picture really of me wearing a Yeti mask. That's fault, Joe Turk. high five. You didn't have a fat kid on your back. Oh, with no, like... I was wearing an incredibly bad-smelling <laughs> Yeti mask. What do you expect from the gangrene guys? The all oh. they have is Sasquatch-related stuff.
3: <laughs> gangrene <laughs> and
4: Sasquatches. I don't get it. So, uh, let's hear. I take it we do not have any Gamer Forge again this week? He did not send us I... any... Do not think we right. received any this Don't week. think Revan sent us any uh, Gamer Forge. So, thing. if you guys do have anything for the Gamer Forge, please send it to info at DungeonCrawlersRadio.com. I promise to only mock you slightly. <laughs> just a little bit. Dumb, he no, only mocks you because you, you, know, you probably know questions. more about the game than he does. That's for sure. So. That's not going to argue that. So, I had another teach me to stop, tell me to stop answering questions today in class. As you should.
0: Yeah? Just, just, just stop, stop asking top. dumb questions. Yeah. <laughs> Last week
4: it was, why do people find Woody Allen uncomfortable? I told her it's because he married his stepdaughter. Like, yeah, that'll do her. If, yeah. if that hadn't happened, Woody Allen would probably be, like, it, he's one of the best greatest filmmakers come out of America, but he got super creepy. And then another guy got into it. I got into it with an Apple vs. Android debate, and he yelled at me to shut up. And, run. and <laughs> Apple sucks. <clears throat> what? Do <Stupid> you emojis? <laughs> Keep it yourself. Oh, yeah, Apple does uh, suck. So let's go, on, let's go on. Let's get let's get back to uh, to Endless adopting trouble. I <laughs> <You laughs> know, right? Uh-huh. I'm sensing here from one side to the other.
0: All uh, right, be- so
4: back to back to adopting trouble. We've only got like 20 minutes left. So, uh, what are some of the some of the things you you really want to make sure that people pay attention to when this uh, this movie comes out?
1: Pay attention to the performances of the actors. It's a lot of, a lot of the jokes we wrote made it into the movie. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of funny stuff in there that was improv'd on set. Uh, we have some great, Clint Vanderlinden being one of them, Ryan Templeman, our lead actor, is another great improv actor. And there's a lot of performance, performance that wasn't on the page that, that uh, makes it into the film because Lee would uh just kind of sit there and and let him go some some yeah. sometimes and and would wait to to yell cut and and we got some great moments because he did that and let the actors have a little bit of room to to improv and bring some bring 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 some lines and some physical comedy into the film that wasn't in the script
5: yeah more than half of the director's job is done when you cast somebody who's good you know, it's kind of just wrangling,
0: yeah. wrangling
5: actors after that. <laughs>
4: okay, we gotta get together. We gotta film this. All right, back on that
5: Yeah, I'd I'd let I let the takes roll, and we they come up with stuff that just oh we we you know we'll probably there's there's there'll be behind the scenes stuff eventually on the DVD where. We're, we almost ruined takes because we're trying to hold it in so much that we. <laughs> as soon as I say cut, everybody just busts out laughing. For you know,
0: yeah,
4: Revin has that problem with me and Joe at like conventions or if we're on site for something, and we're interviewing somebody or we're getting ready for an interview, so we'll just start talking, and just start chewing the fat. And about ten minutes later, we'll look over like, are we recording this? And then like, no, why?
5: Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, let's try this all over again. Uh, luckily, uh, digital is much cheaper than sales. yeah, <laughs> true. So we can you can just like we got card space, let it roll, you know. Mm-hmm. So the
1: well, other that, thing people should look for is locations. Yeah. Uh, we shot we shot here in, in we shot here in West Valley City. We shot in Salt Lake, Murray, Sandy. We shot in Ogden. We shot in Pleasant Grove. We shot in Cedar Hills. We shot in Orem. We're just all over the place with this film. It was a lot of fun because we just we just had to kind of find places where they would let us shoot for free or for not very much money so
5: cheap <laughs> is always good yeah yeah, uh they could probably look for there's actually we rented a office location, and we used i think seven. Used it for seven different locations. Really, in the film, redressed it. Um, it, it turned into a strip club at one point. <laughs> I, was... I saw that in
1: the in the, in the thing. I'm like that, that yeah, was a strip club. That was uh, yeah. That was uh, something that our micro budget wouldn't let us do is go into an actual strip club. So we built one. All right. So, huh, yeah. what was that like? Convincing.
5: Uh... Convincing the owners to let you do something money like that. funny thing, they're, they're about money. They really want money, and so they don't really care that you're filming a no, film. You, you paid the rent, so you're good. It's like, we we don't, you know... Uh, oh, you mean the film... is? yeah. Well, we, we, we also a bunch of We thought, you know, surf clubs don't run all day not, and night, so we figured it, it's during the, the morning Mee-squad hours. It's the squad
0: guys. <laughs> 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 they, run,
1: yeah, they run all day. <laughs> I don't. <know>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, well, not so, that we go not that we to, not that we ever go them. to surf like clubs. So. Bullet
4: wounds and non wounds, depending what time of the day you're there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. uh, oh.
4: do you want the headliner to have two actual working eyes and not an amputee, or do you want them to actually? That's no. so like four thirty in the afternoon versus six o'clock at in night.
5: Minimum yeah. ten AM. How busy are they? Really, right. you know? Um, so we figured we try. We we hit it we hit as many as we could and they they weren't terribly interested, so came down to it. We're like, Well, I've got, you know, eighty feet of velvet red curtains that Came into my possession. I'm like, all right, Do let's we want to know
0: How? And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. My,
5: my parents own a, a theater in Spring City. Sure.
4: And <laughs> this is the reason we're going with. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just velvet curtains. Um, they, they own a
5: theater and they had some extra ones that didn't quite match what they already had, and mm-hmm. so they asked me. But how, it's, not like, know, it's not that type no, of theater. Not that type of theater. Come <laughs> on.
1: It's Spring City, for Pete's sake. It's Spring City. Uh, yeah, no, it's definitely not that It's heavy not heavy. like they have a red light district or anything like that. There's <laughs>
5: not enough people for a red light district.
0: <laughs> we can
5: make
1: a red light district if you want.
0: Yeah. Could just <laughs> replace some of the light bulbs, bulbs with red yeah. ones
4: and- I got uh, friends. I know people. <laughs> See what happens when Revan doesn't show up. We turn the entire conversation devolves into historic into to towns becoming strip clubs
1: and burlesque <laughs> reviews. Oh, well, it's kind of our fault. We brought up the strip clubs. So, so
4: with uh, with the other things like people uh, noticing, are you gonna like put like like you know like in a random scene just like just you know something in the background It would become like a signature um, prop or kind of like a subliminal almost. Uh,
5: um, uh, we have thing. a couple Easter eggs in the film. So oh, we'll yeah? you will have to look for them and see if you can. It's 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 pretty fun. Any uh, any right. hints? Um, it's it's always it's always something that is. Uh, I'd say watch the picture frames,
1: maybe. Yeah.
4: Watch the picture
5: frames. Watch, picture frame. watch, watch the, the picture frames. Look at
1: the picture frames. Yeah. If okay. there's a
5: picture frame in the scene. Zoom in there. on it. <laughs> Grab your
0: DVD remote, zoom!
5: I was I was fortunate enough to notice that Brad Pitt was in one of the welcome
4: se- uh, sequences during Fight Club.
0: Yeah, yeah. At, at
4: the at the front at the beginning before they even introduce the mm-hmm. Tyler Durden character, I'm like, is that Brad Pitt in that corner? And they're like, Yeah,
3: it yeah, is. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it
5: was like a Marriott commercial.
4: Yeah, it was a Marriott commercial. It was like a like the the welcome video that's always played on the first station that any yep. any. Uh, Hotel will have it in there,
5: yeah. Yep. And then I
4: read, I read something in there that uh, one of the first film projects that that particular director did was like in 1988. He did a uh, a Mac commercial. So at minute 88, he blew blows up an Apple store. So, do, are there any like uh, particular like things like that that you would be kind of like interested to try to do in future projects?
5: Um, we're actually we have one of our. Um, Mm. I don't know about I don't know about that specifically, but another one is we are we are gonna we're putting um one of our other films mm-hmm. our characters are watching one of our previous films oh really yeah or one of our shorts and yeah so that'll be another one of yeah. fun but yeah it's, all right go meta we're open for all that kind of stuff yeah. being in the film and whatnot it's. We're always, we always like putting little things in there, little nods to other things Understandable.
1: well. And the, one of the main characters reads comic books, mm-hmm. and uh, we couldn't really get the rights to show any Marvel or DC or yeah. image comics, so uh, D- Devil's Triangle Devil's shows triangle up. Devil's
5: Triangle makes no errors in there. <laughs> in fact, that's the, the only comic book he's reading. Yeah, that's book. A, yeah, he's, well, it's, it's
1: like it's four or five scenes issue. where it's he's such reading a good comic and, book.
4: and And just
1: enveloping story. You've got to read it. in fact he's reading that when he gets arrested in the beginning of the film and then three years later he gets out of prison and he starts reading it again so
5: (laughs) yeah there's any chance we could to save money on (laughs) yeah you know for some reason strange enough we had rights to yeah yeah
1: it it was rather easy
5: (laughs) all right so uh, before we uh,
4: we got to start wrapping up so you mentioned your Indiegogo campaign to help finish off the movie. Um, so that, how long is that going to be lasting?
1: Until July 2nd.
4: July 2nd.
1: I've actually uh, put a link of that up on our Facebook page.
4: So if you uh, help, uh, help these fine gentlemen out, um, put the spit and polish on a very fine-looking movie, very funny-looking movie, you know, head on over there and you know, give them a little bit. I guarantee you they won't actually give you spit in a jar.
1: Although we can, if that's what it, you really if want, if you really want, you probably <laughs> put a, like a little note.
4: I would like to spit the, st- the spit in the jar, spit in the jar package oh, okay. that flag is inside.
1: There's it, lots of things we'll do within reason. All right, okay,
0: we'll do it for money. <laughs>
4: if it doesn't cost us much, to do it afterwards. We'll do it. <laughs> Although I don't know how the how like how friendly the postal service would be. Like, I'd like
5: to mail this jar of spit, please. <laughs> That's a biological hazard. That don't
1: be too big a. You life. just have to lie to the postmaster guy. Yeah, yeah,
5: there you go. <laughs> no, there's there's no liquid in there whatsoever. Little white light. Never heard heard anyone right. Liver or anything. Yeah, so. no, nothing like that.
0: Couldn't
4: mail anything like that. That would be illegal. He says knowingly. Um, all right, and so then uh, once, it's, uh, once your Indiegogo is, is finished, then how soon can we expect to start seeing uh, docking Trouble out on, on shelves?
1: Well, we'd like to... Our, our first attempt as far as a film festival will be Sundance. Okay. Uh, entry, we're hoping to have it done in August. Okay. Uh, or early September at the latest, so that uh, we can get it in during the normal entry process okay. of Sundance. Um, we've, we've talked to people connected with Sundance and what they've seen of the film, they've been very positive about it. Good. So that's why we'd really like to get it done. If it gets into Sundance, uh, it will it will screen next January and uh, we'll see what happens from there. Awesome.
4: So. Well, I, yeah, at... That sounds like an excellent plan. Hopefully, we can get that all finished up and all, all wrapped up in a boat. We can see it this coming January. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you very much, Blake and Lee, for being on with us again. It was great yeah. hearing about Adopting Trouble. No again, if you want to find them on the Indiegogo campaign, just look them up, Adopting Trouble. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank Dad, you. You just thank do much. a Google search for uh, Adopting Trouble. It brings everything up. So.
1: Oh, see, even there, better. You don't there even,
4: you go. They're
1: even <laughs> on IMDb. Yep. Yeah. They're legit. And That's you can watch our uh, trailer on YouTube and, and the Vimeo. All right. All righty. There we go.
4: Well, thank you guys very much for joining us. We hope to see a very successful Indiegogo, and I hope to see this out whenever it's ready to come yep. out. Yeah, hopefully um, we'll see it in time for January. Yep. All righty. So before we got we to gotta start finishing off the yeah, show, we gotta, we're already in the last five minutes. Yep, it is. Just time is ticking on by. Ah. <sighs> Wow. So we well, thank you for joining us all uh, for this uh, very uh, strange episode uh, sh- show. Uh, a few little hiccups and we're minus two character, two two players, and uh, also minus headset. So uh, Joe, I just, I got to thank you. I can't thank you enough for doing that uh, that first interview solo. I don't think anybody would have been able to carry the full hour by themselves, but you, sir. Our god amongst Now you know why there. you get the special request. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. Kind of a big deal, Joe. Kind of a kind of a big deal, guy named Joe. Yeah, there you go. There you go. We gotta <laughs> guy, na- guy named yeah. Joe, who's kind of a big deal. <laughs> so uh, join us next week, where we'll be talking with looks like uh, Jay Posey. I am, hope I'm reading his name right. I We've don't... also next Tuesday I got a special show. Oh yeah, we also have a special show next Tuesday with the uh, FancyCon guys, uh, FancyCon people. So join
0: us. Wait a
3: second, we just talked to them.
4: They're back again. Meeting them at their office this time. We are talking with their cosplay director, their uh, program director, and I believe we're going to have Josh Patel back on as well.
1: Oh, there we go there. So join us,
4: uh, join us then. And if you if you miss it, you can always catch our. uh, archives on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also uh, tra- figure out I I've figured out a way to get it on the Windows phone. You have to take a pre-downloaded uh, copy, put it on your phone, and then it downloads it for you afterwards. Sneaky, sneaky. So yeah. if anyone can figure out a way to get it on Google Play, shoot us a line, because I would like to see us on all three phone platforms.
1: By the end of the... Oh, it'll happen. By, by, by the next 20 years...
4: Twenty years, yeah. yeah. That's a good. Uh, that's a good. Nice by, broad. by the, by the yeah. end of the 2000s I think we'll probably have <laughs> at least ten more platforms by then. Okay, yeah. there we go. Wait, what? You don't want to go on Blackberry?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, we so We want to be
4: streaming up. on. Uh, oh, okay. we want to be streaming on Xbox and PlayStation Four by then. Okay. <laughs> You know what? Stranger things have happened. I'm, not, I'm not even going to. i going just not even imagine how awesome that would be. That you're one. playing. You're playing one of your games, and instead of listening to the racial epithets from some prepubescent 14 year old time travel who just so happens to be my father, you could be listening to us
3: <laughs> talking That's to you. What
4: kind of games do you play? Yeah. The, the most uh, most uh, online online. Is, is that Mrs. Lagoon in the background no, screaming at you? Not some kid. No, it's. It's usually, it's usually like Call of Duty. Listen or, here, honey. Or uh, border, not Borderlands. Borderlands? No. I can't get any of you to play Borderlands with me. So yeah. Wait, I'll play. What's this? One? I'll, uh, Steam. Oh, I don't play on the computer. Oh, well, then you suck. Aww,
3: That's play not why. No, oh, no. Uh, I have it for guys, Steam. Guys, oh, hugs,
0: we play. not drugs. We All right. No, hugs.
4: I've had enough hugs from you people, and I don't want any more.
0: <laughs> oh,
4: we are a hugging group. <laughs> no, you're sweaty. Yeah, yeah. Ben. Ben. Colin touches me I in awkward it, places, oh, and cute. I don't appreciate it. Here <laughs> go. I show ben. up for the last three minutes. This is my time.
0: <laughs> the mo- I don't
4: have Revan here to make ginger jokes about. It's like a sun poisoning. That's why he can't hear. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Yeah, but you're like a dark-skinned ginger. You're like an I, anomaly. Yeah, I'm not even, I'm not even, I'm not even saying anything. Joe, I'm just letting you go, man. Joe,
0: Joe your pattern. Joe's level
4: of ginger is actually leaning a little more close to redhead than it is to ginger. Can, can we discuss how all of Revan's children are redheads except the Omen? He's got one kid named Damien. As great kids as they are, they're, 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 they, 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 they are the ginger children. That are the children of the corn. <laughs> the ones we, wander we wander all your cars, cars when you're driving you're, through Middle you Utah. Kids are creepy. <laughs> yeah, I'm really gonna get a call off this tonight. <laughs> yeah, we're, yep. we're gonna. get, go, you think, What do you mean my kids are creepy? I'm like, what are your kids are creepy Look. He's gonna uh, listen to this at like one o'clock in the uh, morning. And, you're just gonna and then next week, week right it's right going then.
1: to be a completely different uh, cast. Revan, with a guy named Jim and
4: <laughs> <laughs> the great and powerful Duke Lagoon. We don't have a redhead anymore. <laughs> yeah.
3: <I> just, <laughs> I won't be
4: around. And yeah, he, really, all right, I guess we should clearly. probably uh, go on with our goodbyes. So. Yeah, so a uh, very special thank you again to Ellie Modestad Jr., Lee Gardner, and Blake Castleman for being on the show with us to talk, uh, talk about their respective projects. Uh, let see here. We already covered the whole listen to our archives thing, so very special thanks to mbdesignstudios.com for taking care of our logo. So next time you need a one t to freshen up your company logo, just contact Nate at MB Design Studios. You can find them on the Facebook or MBDesignStudios.com. And Nate will just walk you right through the process and he'll stick with you through the whole thing. Make sure that your your new logo is
3: sweet. Yessie.
4: <laughs> uh, and then also thank you to Epic Puzzle the Games in West Valley City, Utah for... Being in our place. This yes. is kind of where we come every week. This yep. is where we uh, record live. The fact that they minds. let us keep coming back is fairly impressive. Yeah, that that itself. We take up an entire section up. of the room. and We actually kicked an entire family out from playing uh, Pictionary. So, Go, <laughs> continue on. <laughs> That's right. So that means until next time, good night Salt Lake, good night world, and yes, please, always, get more from your games. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is,
2: If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change!
5: I will destroy you.